Welcome to Out of the Well, a podcast created by Student Wellness Services at the University of Calgary. This podcast is co-hosted by Kome Odoko and Adriana Cooper. In this space, we explore a variety of wellness topics, working together to share practical tips about health and wellness that are more accessible to the university community and increase flourishing in our everyday lives. Our well sits on the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in Southern Alberta, which is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. We recognize that this land is home to a diverse group of people, and we offer gratitude for the ability to live and learn on this land. So whether you are looking to draw from your well, refill it, or just looking for a place to rest, we hope that this space can be whatever you need it to be. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about self-care and transitioning. Um, I think as we get to this time of the semester where things are beginning to wrap up um, and with kind of the hustle and bustle of this unconventional school year, we're hoping to talk about self-care and how folks can take better care of themselves as we move into more, um, I think folks may say, you know, unsure or uncertain times and how to manage some of the emotions that come Um, with uncertainty, especially living in the last year and a half of COVID-19, figuring out how to move forward when things don't seem very clear. Um, So I will let our guests introduce themselves. So my name is Kelsey McWilliams, and I work at Student Wellness Services as a student support advisor at University of Calgary. So that's my role. So I'm very creative, and I really enjoy creative endeavors. So I I really like to make jewelry and and make crafts. So that's something that I do for my own self-care. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Paige Thomas, and I, as well, work with Kelsey um, as a student support advisor at Student Wellness Services at the University of Calgary. Um, I am the Indigenous student support advisor, and and myself, as well, I identify as Métis. Um, So I really like to bring... um, you know, ind- Indigenous ways of, of knowing and being into my practice and um, really like to look at self-care in a practical way um, and make it a little bit easier to understand. For things that I like to do for self-care, it's uh, interesting. Kelsey, I, I too um, just started making jewelry and love different craft projects. Um, but something that has really been a lifelong thing for my self-care is riding horses. Um, I just love animals, but um, I really love horse jumping as well. Thank you so much and welcome. So let's get into defining what self-care is. So self-care, and the reason I thought it would be important to talk about it is because I'm I'm a social worker and we talk a lot about self-care in social work. It was um, a long time before I really understood what self-care meant. Uh, I remember going to class and, you know, professors would talk about like, you know, what do you do for your self-care at night? And everyone's like, I don't know, I have a bath or I go for a run or something that that maybe is is really simple. And for a long time, I I really thought that's what self-care was until I started working in the field. And I realized self-care is something that's a lot more intentional. 
and it, it's something that is a, a well-rounded experience. So it's not just doing one activity and then sort of feeling a little bit better afterwards. Um, it's really about having intentional acts, um, things that we can do to build ourselves up, but also to move forward. And sometimes that it might be unpleasant as well. Um, but there are things like, you know, for example, your taxes, like, we all have to do our taxes and we don't like doing them and we don't like having to pay money, um, but it's an important act and it's an intentional act. And after we do that, generally we do feel better. So that's a part of our self-care as well. Our self-care, you know, I think a lot of times, um, you know, throughout my social work um, degree, I, I started hearing a lot about self-care and that wasn't just in my classes. It almost seemed to become a little bit more uh, mainstream and, you know, you'd see, um, you know, different companies and stuff like that, you know, kind of marketing products as being, you know, this can help your self-care. And a lot of those times it, you know, was, you know, bubble bath or, or different lotion and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's, it was kind of hard for myself as I was a new social worker, um, you know, to really conceptualize what was self-care for myself, um, you know, because some of that stuff wasn't working for me. One way that I like to look at self-care is that it is a way to manage stress. Um, and it is a way to have those additional resources for yourself, which increases um, the ability for yourself when you're experiencing stress to be able to reach out to those resources or enact those resources um, to really help manage your stress and your emotions that you might be experiencing. Why, why are we talking about self-care and what, um, how this relates to the university experience? We know that as a university student um, and when you're in the midst, especially of right now, we're, um, you know, in the spring and the spring course load can be really heavy. But that being said, stress and anxiety affect our university students at really high levels. A lot of students come to us and say, you know, they used to be able to participate in different activities or have more time for friends. And now, you know, they're just feeling these overwhelming sense of feelings with the transition that they may have experienced into the university and, and trying to manage their stress and just really feeling off and not really sure why. Um, but then when you kind of start to ask, you know, well, what have you been doing for yourself or what are things that, you know, aren't included in your life anymore? Um, you know, that's often part of it. Self-care can really help to add to trying to find that balance for yourself where you feel like you're able to respond um, to different stressors in your life, whether that be school as a stress or family responsibilities or community responsibilities. Um, so that you can be the best that you can in your classes. Um, while we were prepping for this episode, a topic and kind of a theme that came up was the idea of self-soothing. Um, so self-soothing as a practice in people's self-care plans, um, as a concept that you know some of us may not be aware of. I'm hoping that uh, maybe one of you can speak to the idea of self-soothing and what it means and how it can show up for people. Sure. First, I wanna take a second to talk about or define self-soothing. Self-soothing is doing an activity that provides comfort and distraction. And sometimes it's necessary to indulge in self-soothing because it can help us to stabilize our negative emotions. We need self-soothing just as we need self-care. Examples of self-soothing may be things like having a bubble bath or watching your favorite movie. So let's say 
you decide that, you know, for some of your self-care, you really enjoy watching Netflix. You know, we all do, and that's 100% okay. But are you watching, you know, three, four hours of Netflix while you're supposed to be writing a paper? Now you have the stress of, now you don't have as much time as you could have had to address your paper and get that done with first, and then you know, watch those shows that you might want to watch. We need self-soothing, you know, just as much as we need self-care. But when we have too much self-soothing, we are then neglecting, you know, our self-care as well. So writing that paper is a part of your self-care. Once you write the paper, you know, you'll feel good at the end of it, hopefully. Um, so if you have too much of that self-soothing and not enough of that self-care, it is like Paige said, it's avoidance. So we need to have a balance. And, and just like Paige mentioned balance before, the same thing goes for a balance between self-soothing and self-care. I think another, another really important thing is, um, you know, for some people, they think that, you know, when you're going through these difficult times that you might have experienced, whether that be a sense of loss or grief, um, you know, or just having a really bad day, because we've all been there, and, you know, having or being able to reach for a self-care plan is, is important and to be able to have these tools uh, for yourself to be able to gravitate to when you're not feeling so good. Um, but just knowing that, you know, lighting a candle for yourself, sometimes that might be really great and other times you might not feel better, but it might just take off the edge just enough for yourself to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So um being able to have have these different aspects and be able to build a self-care plan for yourself to be able to reach to when you need it as well is very important but it's also very important to be able to practice self-care even in those times where you're feeling well and balanced so that you're able to stay accountable to yourself your goals um, and where you want to be headed to So this is going to be our, our 10 minute segment on how to actually create a self-care plan. We hope this will be useful for, for the listeners in building a self-care plan. You know, it encompasses a lot of things, it encompasses different areas of your life, different aspects, your coping, your, your goals, etc. So, you know, when we think about creating a self-care plan, we do want it to, to be well-rounded. It can be overwhelming in itself and just, you know, really sitting down um, with yourself and seeing what it is that you need um, in all the dimensions of yourself. And so how do you kind of start this process? And so I kind of, you know, when I talk to students um, or I've done it myself as well, um, you know, I really like to look at the four dimensions of self-care and well-being. And so, you know, utilizing a holistic perspective where we're really going through you know, the different parts of ourselves that really truly make up um, ourselves as, as human beings. And so, um, you know, we have our spiritual self, we have our emotional self, our mental self, and our physical self. And so really we're in the middle of all of these things. So, you know, for some people, it's really hard to think what fits into these realms. And so, you know, I found, you know, either having a list of questions and then being able to kind of fit it into these realms to kind of that you create for yourself. You can think of what calms you, 
what motivates you? Um, you know, what motivates you to get out of bed every day? Um, what's comforting to you? You know, when you're feeling sad or lonely, what's that comfort? Uh, what makes you feel fulfilled in your day? Uh, how do you express yourself? Is that creatively? Is it with your clothing? Is it, you know, uh, through words? Um, and how do you feel connected to either, you know, within social media, with your friends and family, um, maybe people in your cohort, uh, that could mean various things as well. But sometimes these questions of what do I need right now can be hard to think of when you're in moments of stress. So it's nice to have, uh, you know, work on this and reflect when you're in a good state. When we create a self-care plan, we want to be able to write it down. And this is really an important piece because if we don't write it down, you know, we forget. And if we don't write it down, you know, we might not take it as seriously. So it's really important to make it tangible, something that you, you write down and that you can reflect on and change if you need to as time goes on. So we're just going to go through each category and, and Paige already touched on that you know, the categories are holistic. They're related to each other. They're not necessarily separate from each other. Um, but we, we're going to give you some tangible examples of, of each category. Our emotional self, really, that's where we look at, you know, our heart, you know, when I think about it, um, you know, in a relationship with yourself, um, you know, do you have boundaries uh, for yourself with, let's say, your family, um, who makes you feel loved? Um, being able to surround yourself with positive people um, and really having that affirmative um, self-talk, that positive self-talk. Uh, for social, um, being connected is very important. And we're sort of in this, this odd time right now where our connections look a little bit different than they would normally. But it's still important to connect with people, even if it's online or on the phone or, or distance visits, however you do it. Um, being able to, to remain a part of a group where you are respected, where you are supported, and where you have love in your life is very important for your, your social self-care. For your intellectual or professional self-care, I think one of the most valuable things that you can seek is, uh, is constructive feedback and really learn to structure that and reframe that so that it is positive for yourself. Um, and also to, you know, seek different opportunities, whether that be, um, you know, like a training at your work or, um, you know, taking a, an extra co-curricular course or, you know, volunteering even, um, things like that can really help um, you intellectually. Um, also, you know, finding different uh, books to read um, or listening to different podcasts. Um, are a great one as well. Our physical self-care, it's a lot more than just going for a run. Our physical self-care is about taking care of our physical body, you know, getting enough sleep. Um, the exercise piece is really important as well, but that's not, not the only thing we need to focus on. It's also about, you know, what do we put in our body? How do we treat our body? Um, how do we talk uh, about ourselves in terms of of our body image. So all of these are very important aspects of our physical self-care. For our spiritual self-care, um, I think a lot of people, you know, 
kind of link spirituality to religion and and spirituality is different than religion um it's really about finding um process of finding what's meaningful and uh, of worth for you um and what's valuable and so i think one of the really important things about spirituality um or spiritual self-care is that it really can help uh, contribute to the quality of your life, but it also often brings more connections to your life as well and different resources to your life. And so maybe that's a community that you're, you're involved in. And so there's different aspects with that, um, whether they be involved with religion or not. Um, it can also be, you know, listening to music. For some people that is, you know, brings a lot of connection for them, whether that be in with lyrics or the sounds that music can create. Um, I think as well as, you know, looking to inspiration through either a book or, or poems can be spirituality for some people. Uh, but for some people, it's meeting with, you know, someone such as like a knowledge keeper or um, uh, someone from some a religious, um, organization. Um, for some people, that is what spirituality is for them. But um, just know that it doesn't have to be. It can be in different forms as well. And then finally, um, the last piece being our practical self-care. Um, so what do we mean by practical? It's like those the tasks and the errands that you have to do just to have a day-to-day -day, um, household running. So for example, um, making a budget, paying your bills, that's all practical self-care, doing laundry, um, cleaning your bathroom once a week or, or whatever it is that you might do for your practical self-care. Um, and then it, we also see that that financial plays into that as well. Yeah, and I think that, you know, as we go through through these things, maybe you think that you're already great at practicing self-care. Um, and that's that's wonderful, but sometimes you know, sometimes you maybe you do notice an imbalance with your self care. Maybe, you know, through reflection, you'll notice different parts that you can add to your self care um, routine for yourself as well. And so that's why, you know, building a self care plan can also be a great opportunity for reflection and, and maybe that can also bring um, realization that you could add different aspects to your life as well that may be beneficial to you. And we're, when we're creating our plan, we also want to really be aware of what our coping strategies are and what type of coping strategies we use, whether they are good or bad. Um, do you, I don't know, bite your nails or drink too much wine when you're, when you're stressed or when you're anxious? Um, or do you talk it out with your friends, talk it out with family members? It's really important to be aware of, of what these, uh, of what your coping strategies are and how it relates to your self-care as well. And I want to touch on SMART goals. So when we, we are creating a self-care plan, we do want to utilize SMART goals. So SMART goals are goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. So when we're making a plan, we want to utilize this type of goal. So I'll give you an example. Say, um, as a part of my spiritual self-care, I want to practice mindfulness or meditation. Well, how often are you going to do that? How long are you going to do that for? Um, what is that actually going to look like when you build it into your life? Maybe it's 
three times a week for, for 20 minutes each time. So really making the, the goals very tangible so that you know if you've met those goals or not met those goals. Yeah, and I think just, you know, one other thing to note is, you know, try to keep it simple if you can, especially at first, right? And so for some people, that's just the initial stage of setting limits for yourself, uh, maybe learning to say no because you have too much on your plate currently. Um, and also just really trying to make time for simple pleasures for yourself, whether that's even just, you know, watching the sun rise or set and trying to include that in your day. Um, you know, I've, I've heard from different people, different practices on how they start to include, you know, these different self-care realms for themselves. But I, you know, I really think that, you know, you have to be slow about it because self-care can also become a lot, especially if you're not someone that has typically practiced self-care um, or are just starting to think about it in a different way. And so including even one practice into a month um, and trying to really stay focused on that one practice to try and just make your wellness just a little bit better and seeing how you do with that. And then going back and seeing, did you hit that SMART goal for this month? And then maybe next month, including another goal for yourself. So that's our self-care plan in a nutshell in 10 minutes. And we hope that this will be useful to you. And we'll move on to the rest of the interview. Let's talk about transition and what does transition bring up for people? I'm reminded of my like transition experiences in and out of university. I'm just re like kind of reflecting on the fact that my transition into university was very exciting. It was brand new. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many cool things that I can try. Um, and kind of contrasting that with my transition out of university. Um, feeling kind of lost and not really sure what I was going to do. Um, not really being sure like what I did wrong or if I could have done things better. Thanks for sharing that story, Komei, because I had a very similar experience transitioning out of university. It took me about three or four months to, to find a job. I also had moved cities and thinking, oh, this is going to be really exciting. But it was really hard. It was really hard to settle somewhere else. And the transition itself, like, I think I felt a bit lost even for, for about a year after that. So it was, it was a really hard transition. And I, I do just want to give space and acknowledge that um, it's really exciting to be done your degree, but it's, but it's really challenging because your, your life is, is going to change now. And especially amidst this recession and the pandemic and all this stuff happening, it's, it's making it even harder for folks as well. You know, I remember, um, you know, entering university, I had such big goals. Uh, my my degree path had changed partway through my first degree, um, and when I when I left, I was in a job that wasn't relevant to to my degree. It was a it was a pretty good job, but you know I needed to find a job that was you know more relevant in my field. That was a very stressful time because I didn't see myself where I wanted to be, and I really wanted more. Um, so I found myself reapplying again for um, the social work program at U of C. Yeah, so the transition out of university for myself was, uh, I was actually a mature student when I went back to school the second time. So 
uh, I had already lined up a position for even before I graduated. And I, I knew that I needed a bit of time to um, just relax because I'd been in school for five years and was exhausted. So, you know, I, I took a little bit of a vacation and that was what my transition kind of looked like. So, um, yeah, it was difficult, but it was, it was good. It was a good transition. Yeah, I think it, it also highlights that sometimes you don't need to have a plan out of transitions. Like it's, it's okay to just have the time to, to relax and recover. And I think that's kind of tied into the stuff that we've been talking about relating to like self-care is that, you know, it's also realizing that sometimes um, the next step is a break. I think that that evening translates into self-care and how you really have to be flexible with it. Um, and some things work really well for some people and for others, they don't work at all. Um, and it's a lifelong process, just like transitions are as well. And so sometimes they're easy and sometimes they're hard and sometimes they're messy. It's not really a, a linear path and just trying to normalize that it's okay if your life isn't, you know, X, Y, Z, maybe it's, you know, A, B, Z, Y, X, right? Like it, it, it's okay. So with everything that's going on right now in the world and how um, fast, I guess, life is moving, um, how can someone build self-care into their life moving forward? So we talked uh, earlier as well about how to make a self-care plan. So the, the next step is really to implement the plan. Um, you know, what, what is on your plan and then reassessing it as you move along. So just like Paige said, that self-care is a lifelong process. We need to be able to assess on an ongoing basis what we're doing for our self-care and what's, what may no longer be serving us or what's not working and then assessing it and creating new goals. Self-care, really good self-care habits, um, really can help build your resilience. And so, um, Really essentially resilience kind of speaks to the ability to bounce back or just be, to be able to cope a little better uh, in the face of adversity when those, those situations or those transitions are occurring. And, you know, um, the benefit of regular self-care really is to, you know, help find and create that balance. So we've talked about self-care, some of the considerations, some of the reflections that we think um, are helpful. What are some of the resources that folks can access to engage in this process to make this development of a self-care plan personal to them? So not just something that we're, you know, talking about in an abstract way, but how do we um, make it more realistic and more doable for people? What are the resources that help with that process? We do have some resources available on the Student Wellness Services website under the self-help section. We have some videos on self-care and coping and anxiety, stress, etc. So those can be really helpful. Um, during the fall and winter semester for students, we do have a workshop 
called Discover Your Self-Care, where you can actually attend the workshop and then build a self-care plan in the workshop and do a bit of a wellness assessment. So if you, you know, find you learn best by, by listening to someone and then, then doing the action, that's a really good option. And then there's tons of templates online as well. If you just want to do something on your own, just putting it into a Google image search, like self-care template, you'll be able to find um, tons of templates that you can work off of on your own as well. Well, I want to say thanks to our guests today, Kelsey and Paige. Um, it was lovely just to kind of get a sense, a better understanding of self-care um, and how we can better utilize it and how there are supports available to us within our campus community to help facilitate building that into our everyday lives. Um, we want to say thank you for spending this time with us at Out of the Well. Um, we hope that you are able to both fill your well and able to draw out um, what you need out of today um, and the rest of your days and we look forward to spending more time with you in our next episode. Yes, thank you so much. Out of the Well is a collaboration between Student Wellness Services at the University of Calgary and CJSW 90.9 FM. Special thank you to Alex Clausen at Zebra Vision Audio for producing the music heard in this episode.